listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Amen. Come on, let's give noise for Jesus now. I think he's more worthy. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. We thank you that you are here in this room. And when Jesus is in the room, somebody say, everything changes. Come on, everything changes. Lift your hands. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you our time. We give you our words. We give you our heart. And we say that you are in here, and you're going to speak, and you're going to move. You're going to touch. You're going to heal. You're going to save. You're going to deliver. Do all of it, Lord. We're not asking for just a little bit of it. We're asking you to pour the whole bucket out on us, Lord. So would you speak? Would you move in Jesus' name? Come on, if you believe it, give Jesus some praise this morning. Come on. Amen. I've said this a lot of times. Listen, what God is doing here is special. If you believe that, say amen. amen. What God is doing here is special. And I believe it's because of one of the mandates, what the mandate of our house, if you know what it is, is to build him a house. Come on, it's not to build man a house. It's not to entertain people. It's not to make preachers look like they're the best thing in the world. It's not to have the best worship. It's to build a place for the Lord to rest, for him to come and for him to stay and for him to be welcome and for him to be comfortable. Because how many know there's a lot of churches, and I'm not shooting pistols at anybody. There's a lot of churches where a lot of people are comfortable, but the Lord's not. And so we are, it's an honor, right, to be in a place where it's like we're all eyes are on Jesus. We're not idolizing a man. We're not idolizing a band. We want to build a house for him. But I want to tell you this morning that building a house for him isn't just building a house for him. It's more than just the building, right? We can agree with that. It's more than just the lights and the sound and the live stream. Praise God. We love everybody watching. But there's something deeper the Lord is looking for when it comes to building him a house. Can we agree? Psalm, not Psalm, sorry. I, I love preaching the Psalms, so I swore I was about to go into it. Isaiah 66, I want you to flip, it to, uh, flip to it. We're going to go through a couple of verses today. I want you to go to Isaiah 66, 1, and I want to read you something. The first, I think it's the first verse. Let's do the first two verses. Praise the Lord. Uh, I'm going to go now. Y'all going to have y'all and get there with me. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build for me? Where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made and all those things exist says the Lord God's saying what can you build for me that I haven't already done myself come on like I see the screens like you are able to make the screens because I created all the materials for it I created the wood I created everything you need to build the physical location so as much as he loves it and enjoys it he's saying what is the place you're going to build for me and he says in Ephesians 2 that we gather together our living stones, building him up a dwelling place where? In the spirit. So what's he saying here? Like, what are you going to build for me? It has to go past just the physical. Can we say amen? It has to go past just the physical. Verse 2, it says this. But this is the one that I will look upon. Come on, say this is the one. This is the one I will look upon. He that is poor of a contrite spirit and what? Trembles at my word. Come on, I want to let you know, listen, I love our house. We have beautiful worship. We have beautiful community. We have a lot of beautiful things. We can say amen. I can talk all day about how amazing our church is. But here's the amazing thing. As much as we put pillars of the house, as much as we put a house built for him, if we are not poor of a contrite spirit and if we don't tremble at his word, we're not building him a house. We're building ourselves one. And it can get very easy to feel like you're doing something for God that you're really doing for you. It can get very easy to say, oh, I'm singing these songs for Jesus. And then the moment you don't like the song because it's not your genre, you stop singing. 
Come on. It can be very, we're building you a house, but oh, I don't like the way so-and-so dresses, so I'm going to find another place to sit. Listen, I don't care what you come in here for if you come in here for him. I don't care what you're wearing. I don't care how you smell. Come on, somebody. If you're in here for him, let me tell you, Jesus welcomes you, and so do I. We need to be a church accepting of all people at all times and saying, listen, if it gets them to Jesus, I don't care what you come in here with. And he's looking, come on, you can give Jesus some praise. Come on. He's looking for people that will tremble at his word. Pastor Tyler preached a message a couple of weeks ago about the apathetic spirit. And he made a joke. He said, Pastor Marcus especially needs this. He said it. And you know what? A week and a half later, I found out it was true. Can I tell you why? Can I start off with confession this morning, right? Like, we got a lot of preachers I want to start by building up their resume. Oh, I've been traveling and preaching. I've been doing it. Da, da, da. I want to start with confession, can I? A week and a half after Pastor Tyler preached that message, I was in the middle of a fast, and I was reading. Listen to me. I was reading the Gospels. I was sitting in my bed reading the Gospels. I said, amen, that's good, whatever. Closed the book, went downstairs, did whatever I did, and I came back upstairs. I'm being real with y'all. I came back upstairs, laid in my bed, and I felt this dreadful, sinking feeling feeling in my spirit and it said and the Lord was revealing to me at that moment I didn't read a single word like I, I, my eyes went over the words come on my eyes saw the words but I didn't actually read it can we be real this morning have you ever had your Bible and you said uh-huh yeah amen that's good and three minutes later you forgot what you read why? Because it never actually touched you. It never actually moved you. And I want to tell you, the Lord, he warned me, like, this is one of the first signs of an apathetic spirit is that you do not tremble at his word anymore. It's one of the first signs. And maybe you're in this room, you're like, oh, Marcus, I read all the time. I'm in my Bible every day. Praise God for your version Bible uh, verse of the day. Thank God for your daily devotional. Some of y'all need to stop reading them because you're more devoted to that than the Bible. That's a whole other story for another day. But maybe you read your word. I'm not asking, do you move the pages? I'm asking, do the pages move you? Come on. I'm not asking, do you read the word of God? I'm asking, do you know the God of the word? And there's a, there's a big difference. Can we say amen? There's a big difference between just reading words and letting those words hit your heart and touch you. And God is looking for people that won't just read it and go about their day. God is looking for people that don't just put God first in their bio and then it's the devil first in their feeds on social media. He's looking for people that will stand by that word, that will live by that word, that will live in that word and let it tremble in their belly. Come on. When's the last time the word made you tremble? I'm not talking about just giving you the heebie-jeebies and making you feel good. Oh, Jeremiah 29, 11. Why don't you read Jeremiah 29, 12? Come on. Can we stop? Let me stop. Let me stop. We'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. I'm going to try to be nice. I'm lying. No, I'm not. Go with me to John chapter 6. I want to talk about Jesus. Can we talk about Jesus in the house of God? Can we talk about Jesus in the church? John chapter 6, a very... Um, very, not common, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, known, right? Yeah, there you go. Uh, right, a, a famous story, right? So Jesus, he's talking about being the bread of life. He says, I'm all you need. I'm all that you need to satisfy your heart, satisfy your soul. So, you know, eat of me, right? And then he goes from saying, I can just imagine Jesus preaching, right? John chapter 6, he got all these people around him. I am the bread of life. I'm all you need. Yeah, amen. And then Jesus says something crazy next. He said, but you have to eat my flesh and you have to drink my blood. And they went, yeah. Ooh. 
that's a tough ask, Jesus. That's a tough ask. I don't know if I can do that. You ever, you ever hear something questionable and you just, it stops everything in you? It probably happened already today. Praise the Lord. So, Jesus, I'm going to read a few verses for you guys. Most assuredly, I say to you, uh, verse 53, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has what? Eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is uh, drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and, uh, my blood abide, and my blood abides in me, and I in him. And so I just want you to imagine, I don't know about you, but I like to slow down. I like to like imagine what's actually happening. Jesus is preaching. He's talking to a whole bunch of people. And these people have been following him everywhere, right? Like he's got a good following. Like he's trending. He's viral. He's everywhere on TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram. I don't know any of the other social media, so I'm starting to get old. Help me out, Gen Z. And he's got the big following. And they love the healing. Come on, we love the healings. We love the story my wife shared. I told her when she came down, I wasn't planning to cry today. You shouldn't have done that. And so I'm just joking. Calm down, guys. Right? Like He had the big following. He had everybody shouting him down. But there came a moment where Jesus said, these people hear me, but they don't really hear me. They, they hear me, but they don't really hear me. Like, like you've got to lay your life down. Yeah, amen, I'll do that. Sure, I'll get around to that. Like, you've got to carry your cross. Eh, I don't know about that, but maybe it's a simile, right? Like, I'll, I'll get around to that. No, you've got to eat my flesh. Like, he started just making it harder. Listen to me. The word of God, Jesus himself, started making it harder and harder to follow if you were fake. What do I mean by that? I mean this. If you were around Jesus for just the signs, wonders, and miracles, but not the life laid down, not the carrying your cross, not the dying to yourself and being raised up in him, not the selflessness, not having no reputation. Like if you weren't in it for that, Jesus was ready to expose you. This is what the word of God does. It'll say something crazy and it'll expose where your heart really is. How do I know? Because Jesus said this and a couple verses later was verse 60. Therefore, listen, many, say many. Many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And so what happens is we see a bunch of people that were following Jesus, and they say, this is a, this is a tough one to swallow. Yeah, yeah, this is a tough one to take in. Like, I was, all, I was good with the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the bread of life. Praise the Lord. I'll take that. But the moment you tell me I got to do something great, that's a little bit hard to understand. That's a little bit hard to follow and to receive. And this is what happens a lot of times in the word of God is we'll start reading something and something will hit us and say, ooh, that's a tough one. That's kind of tough. To, that's kind of hard to understand. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how I feel about the book of Malachi saying we should shut the doors because maybe we actually should. I don't know how I feel about the words of Isaiah. I don't know how I feel about Ezekiel. So instead of pushing into it, I'm going to flip the page, act like I never saw it, and find something more comfortable. Yeah, I'm going to find something more comfortable. That, that jars me up too much. That exposes me too much. That doesn't make me feel good. Let me tell you something. This word is not about making you feel good. It's about making you feel him until he transforms you into the image of his son. This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? I want you to understand this. When they walked away, because it says many of them walked away after that, right? Why did they walk away? Because instead of being willing to lean into the things they don't understand, they left. And if you're not careful, the word, when it begins to pierce you, cut you, and bruise you, instead of leaning, you'll start leaving. And you'll start, listen, you'll start, you know, you've heard the old story. You'll start picking out the broccoli and the peas and all the stuff that you don't like. And I heard the Lord saying as I was praying, my people need to stop being picky with the pages. Yeah. 
Come on. My people need to stop being picky with the pages. Oh, I'm a New Testament guy. I'm an Old Testament guy. I'm a Bible guy. How about that? I'm a, I'm a the words of God guy. I'm, whatever he says, listen, there, there's more in his life than just bread alone. But what? How many words? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. We need, listen, we need every word. We need the ones that make us feel better, the ones that encourage us, the ones that give us hope, the ones that give us uh, uh, passion. And we need the ones that say, hey, you got some sin in your life. You need to deal with that. We need all of it. You know what happens when you don't take him at every word? You don't have a Bible anymore. You have a book full of fortune cookie uh, quotes. Yeah. When's the last time you highlighted something in your Bible that you didn't like? Come on. When's the last time you highlighted something that you didn't like? You said, ooh, I'm going to have to. When's the last time you read something and instead of skipping over it, you said, I'm going to have to spend like a good week on this until what it's trying to say gets in me instead of trying to argue the word of God to fit my category that I would like you to fit in to feel better. Well, that was more of an Old Testament thing. Oh, you're like, I'm not trying to do that. Stop, stop with the theological debates. You know it's the word of God. You know how it applies. You just don't want to do it. <sighs> I'm glad Pastor Gio's not here today. <laughs> I'm just playing. When's the last time you highlighted something that, that, that you didn't like? If you go, uh, listen, if you go through the majority of our Bibles, every highlighted verse is something that's great about us. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on, somebody. I got plans for you, hope in the future. Come on, somebody. Like, we got all the beautiful ones highlighted. Oh, I'm the apple of his eye. How about turn from wickedness and pray? What about those Bible verses? The Lord's looking for people that will stay around and lean into the things that make them uncomfortable. Because it's the leaning into the things that make us uncomfortable that begin to transform us into his image. It's the Bible verses about holiness and that exposes the fact that we have unholy areas in our lives that we're trying to hide, come on, in the back closet like he can't see everything anyway and we're trying to put it in the back in some old boxes and some U-Haul boxes under the blankets and the comforters that we don't use no more and we're thinking he don't see them and his word, listen, it's like an arrow. He shoots that thing into your house, it'll burst that door open, pop everything out, put it right in the living room so you can see it. You know what happens if you, if, you get, if you take too long? Not only will you see it, but everybody else will. Come on, you ever seen the Christians that only like the good verses in the Bible? In the moment you tell them, well, I don't know if you should be drinking alcohol every single day. Oh, well, brother, you know, a little bit of wine helps the stomach. Yeah, a little bit, not a lot of it. Y'all think I'm playing. We love the word until it exposes our wicked deeds. Jesus, he is, he is the light of the world, right? And they did not like the light. Why? Because it exposed their wicked deeds. That's what the word does. And so these men, it says, many walked away at these words. It's a hard saying. Who can understand it? Their lack of revelation, understanding, and wanting to lean in caused them to leave. But what does Peter say? Where else would we go? He looked at his 12 and said, are y'all going to go too? Are y'all, y'all going too? I know you always got something to say, Peter. What you about to do? Like, where are you going to go now? And what does Peter say? Where else are we going to go? Where, to where else would we go? You have the words to eternal life. And also, you are the Christ. 
And also, you are the Christ. Y'all need the actual verse because y'all look a little bit confused. Praise the Lord. Of uh, 67, for y'all that are looking at me like I'm crazy. But Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter had a revelation of who Jesus was. And he said, this revelation of who he is surpasses all of my emotions, all of my opinions, all of my doubts, and all of my confusion. The moment I get a peek at him and see him for who he really is I don't care what he says I'm following it I don't care where he goes I don't care what he does to rebuke me I love Peter because he's one of Jesus's closest friends and he's probably the one that got rebuked the most come on get behind me Satan you're going to deny me so the enemy's asking for you right now like he always has something to say to him put your sword away you can't clap back at everybody some of y'all need to understand that for social media He's the one that got the most rebukes, but he was one of the three that got to see him ascend into the mountain and see the transfiguration. They got to see him pray and travail before he went to the cross. Jesus looked at Peter, and amongst all the rebukes, all of the hurt, all of the pain, all of the exposing in his heart, what did Peter say? Listen, well, I don't want you to wash me, Jesus. Get your hands off of me. You're better than that. Well, if, you don't, if I can't wash you, you have no part of me. Well, in that case, wash my whole body. We need some people that say, listen, wash my entire body with the word again. So where else will we go? You have the words of eternal life. Lord, would you make us a people that receive your word in all of its fullness? In all of its fullness. Whether it tastes good or not. Come on. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It may be bitter in the stomach. Come on, somebody. But it's sweet on the tongue. It may be bitter for a moment. But I want to tell you, the longer you let that thing get in you, the word doesn't change. You change. Come on, somebody. We got to stop asking the Lord to change up the word to make us more comfortable. Well, Lord, you didn't heal me, and it says you're a healer, so you must not heal anymore. I love, was it my wife that said it this morning? Stop, like, uh, trying to put your theology with your experience. Oh, Pastor Tiffany said that. You wanted the credit, too. She said, ah, that was me. <laughs> stop trying to base your theology off your experience. Because for every one of you that say, I don't, I, don't see, I don't know about healing anymore, my wife shared the story. She was literally dying. It's a reality. She was dying. The doctor said, there's nothing you could do. And I'm over here like praying. But there was a moment where I was like, yo, am I going to have to live without my wife that I've been with for X amount of years? We met in high school. Like, and then I'm like, Lord, your word says this, but I'm not seeing it. And I had to pray and pray. And finally, God brought us a miracle. She's still here today. I'm going to believe the word whether I see what I believe, what I believe or not until I see it. Come on. Jesus, we love your words. And would you create a trembling in us? Would you create a fear and an awe and a wonder in us again, Lord? We need it. Come on, say, I need it. I need it. You know the key, for, you know the key uh, way to know that you, that you need it is that you don't feel like you need it. Come on. Oh, well, Marcus, I've been, pre I've been reading this Bible longer than you've been alive. Well, why you look the same as you did 30 years ago? Come on, somebody. Oh, I'm in my Bible every day. I'm not talking about when Chad Veach does a little five-second video on Instagram. I'm talking about when you're alone and nobody can see you and nobody thinks it's cool. But you know what we do? Can I be honest? I'm about to call out like I don't know how many people. We use this thing for our own popularity. How do I know? 
You ready for this one? Because this is probably for my generation. This may not be for the previous generations, but my generation and younger, we have this thing that we do, and I just want to call it out and get this out of the way. We have this thing that we do where we will set up our secret place, put our Bible here, put the highlighters here, put the Starbucks here, put the, put the uh, commentary here, put the journal here, and we got to spend 20 minutes, come on, young people, 20 minutes getting the perfect shot and the perfect filter to make everything look good for our friends and not Jesus and by the time watch this by the time you finish making your little secret place all pretty ditty you don't even want to pray no more because you defiled it with your idol worship of yourself <laughs> Jesus we want to be pure in your word come on we want to be pure in your word I don't need anybody else to see me reading this thing this is why I'm in prayer room so much. Because I sit in that third row. Listen, that third row is anointed, by the way. Because that's, that's where I'm always la laying and crying. I sit in that third row. And when there's one other person, me and Jalen in this room. Where's Jalen at? Praise the Lord. He's somewhere around here. Me and Jalen in this room. He can't see me. I can't see him. But God is doing something as I'm weeping over these pages. <sighs> When's the last time you wept over the word? I keep flipping open to John 14. I haven't read it. All right, go to John 14, 21. If I sound a little nasally, please forgive me. I've got like a head cold, but my heart's on fire. John 14, 21. He who has my commandments and does what? Keeps them. It is he who loves me. Let's stop. Can we just stop right there? Your, your, your obedience to the word shows that you love him. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, obey me. Jesus, watch this. Jesus is the only one who's so pure that he could throw on a motive to the way that you love him and it'd be okay. Right? Like if I say, baby, if you love me, you'll cook for me every single night. I'm going to get slapped. Come on, somebody. Well, if you love me, you'll do this. If you love me, you do that. Why? Because there's a false motive behind it. But Jesus is so pure that he can say, if you love me, do everything I say and it can be completely holy. Come on. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father. Come on. And I will love him. It's like a little triangle, right? It's like, if you keep my commandment, you love me, and he who loves me will be loved by the Father, and I will love him. And then what will I do? I will manifest myself to him. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that powerful? If you obey his word, he will manifest himself to you. This is why you can't read. This is why your secret place time in the word has to be more than five minutes. This is why you can't read the verse of the day. And listen, I love the verse of the day because it gives me a little something extra, right? Like, it's like I've got the cake. This is like, like the, the, the word of God isn't the icing on any cake. It's the cake, right? The word of God is the icing on the cake. But it's like that, that little Bible thing, uh, you verse like a little sprinkle. Like, I, like it's good, but it ain't, it ain't all that it takes, right? So I love all that. But you've got to spend more than like five minutes. And the reason why is because you've got to keep the word. Not just read the word. You've got to keep the word. Say keep the word. You know what the word, what, you know what that means? It means to hold on to and not let go. Hold on to it and not let it go. That means when I'm in a good mood and I can sing, you are good. Oh, bless the Lord. Remember his great goodness. Psalm 145 says, Psalm 145, great goodness. Like he has great goodness and I will remember it. That means if I'm going to keep that word, I don't get to just say it when I'm in a good mood. When I'm in a bad mood, I probably need to read about his goodness even more. Come on. But if we're not careful, we'll get so carried away by emotions that, listen, some of y'all been in lamentations because you've been lamenting for the last decade. 
Come on, somebody. I've been in, oh, I've been in Ezekiel, brother. I just feel alone. I'm a prophet. And, uh, oh, I've been, in, I've been in First Kings, and I'm the only prophet. Nobody else wants to stand up to God. Stop it. Stop it. I would do a side note about prophets, but we're not going to talk about that today. Praise the Lord. And I will manifest myself to him. Say manifest. Reveal. That's what it means. I want to reveal myself to him. Do you know that Jesus longs to reveal himself? Do you know that the Father longs? Not as just like waiting like, oh, I guess if you do this, I'll show up. No, he longs to reveal himself to you. How does he do that? There's many ways, but through the word. Through the word, he will reveal himself to you. This is why you got to spend more than five minutes. It's called meditation. It's called pondering, wondering, and sitting, watch this, sitting on a Bible verse until something happens. It's called reading the word, and the moment that you start to feel something, you'll just say, oh, amen, and keep going. You stop and say, Lord, what are you doing here? What are you saying here? This is why I can say, if I'm not careful, it takes me so long to get through one single chapter because I'll read one verse. I'm like, ooh, I got to meditate on this one for a little bit. How about uh, John 15, 1? I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Like, I was sitting on that a couple of days ago. I'm like, I can't even get to verse 2. He's the, the true vine. You know what that means? That means that there's a false vine. You see what I mean? See what happens when you meditate on the word? What happens is he begins to reveal himself in a greater measure. So what happens is we go from meditation to mesmeration. And he begins to reveal himself, and we begin to see him, and we say, man, like, it's not just words that you're the true vine. I'm seeing you as the true vine. It's not just words that you are the bread of life. Like, I'm seeing you as my source, and there are things in my life that I want less of because I'm seeing you in the way that I'm reading you. Come on. And there's a mesmeration that the Lord is looking to baptize his children in that fall in love with the things that they read until they see it. I want to encourage you to slow down. Some of you need to actually start, but I want some of you to slow down. I got my own thing this time. I didn't make my wife go get it. Praise the Lord. Some of you need to actually start, but the rest of you need to slow down. Listen, you're not, <sighs> yeah, I'll say it. You're not cool because you can read the Bible in 30 days and not remember any of it. Like, I love the I love Bible. I think it's very important that we take intentional time to discipline ourselves to read the full account of God like we need to do that you need to be reading through the Bible but you're not cool just because you went through it in 30 days and you don't remember anything you just want to go on yeah I read the Bible in 30 days yeah, yeah that's cool but what did you learn what did you get what did you apply what se what seeped into your soul and brought forth fruit one of the key indica in indicators that we're not in the word of God is there's no fruit in our lives come on we're, like, what's the growth pattern look like in your life? What's the growth pattern? Because the word is a seed, right? We remember, that, we remember that the parable of the seed, the sower, the birds, all that crazy mess happening. I believe it's Matthew 13. Like all these things coming to try to pull that word out of you. Do you understand how hard the enemy is trying to pull the word out of you? Do you understand how much he is fighting against the word? Because if it gets in you, it will change you. And this is the thing. Many of us, we have just enough, we have just enough word for salvation, but not enough word for power. We have just enough word for salvation, but not enough word for steadfast growth. We have just enough word for salvation, but not enough for actual fruitful works. So you're not going to walk away from the Lord. You know he's real. You're not going to walk away. You've got enough revelation to know he's real. You've got enough of the cross. You just don't have enough of the resurrection power. Somebody say amen. amen. 
I think like, I think, I feel like some of us are numb. I feel like some of us are numb in this room this morning. And I want you to understand this. Like, if you feel like you are the most on, I say this a lot in the prayer room. I'm going to say it on Sunday. If you feel like you are the most on fire person in this room, you need to check your heart even more. Because that becomes my problem. I'm going to be, listen, more confession time. I know that I'm radical, sold out, blah, blah, blah. I know that I'm about that life. And I got to check my heart. Because listen, when the Lord, when the Lord revealed, like, bro, you're not trembling at my word. You're just reading them. You're glossing over the gospels. I thought I was good. We in prayer room, we rock, we killing it on prayer. I'm kicking out every demon I can name. I'm making up names to kick out more demons. Like me and Pastor Tyler are going there. And I'm going home and the Lord's like, what's up, what about, what's up with your heart, bro? What's up with your heart? And I realized like, I became numb to these words. And I was reading different books and different authors. And I was in different places in the Bible. And I was just like, I'm shutting everything down until the words of Jesus strike my heart again. I'm shutting it all down. I'm closing every book. Thank God for all of them. But if I can't get this in my heart, I don't need that in my heart. Come on. You know how, you're, you, know how you can tell when you're numb? Ask the last time you felt anything. Ask yourself, it's not about feelings, Marcus. It's not about feelings. Yeah, it is. You feel real good when you see how much you get on your tax return. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You feel real good. You feel real good when you get that email that you get in a race. You read that word and you real good, but we don't want to feel anything when we read his word. Come on, somebody. Like, we, we should feel. And I believe this, like, God is not afar off. He is near. He desires us. And I believe this, that God is touching his people, speaking to his people. But if we become numb to his word, we will become numb to his touch. We'll become numb to his touch. He's tapping you on the shoulder night by night. Come and be with me. Psalm 27, 8. My heart has heard you say, come and be with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. But there's been no, I've heard you say, come be with me. Because many of our hearts are numb to his word. And we've read Proverbs a million times. But we don't tremble at Jesus. And we got every wise word. We can, listen, some of us, we throw out more Bible than we ever take in. Come on. We know every Bible verse to argue on Facebook. Some of y'all, listen, Pastor Gio said like last week or something, some of y'all are like the most powerful kingdom keyboard warriors there ever is. Like you can argue the word like nobody's business. This is how you know you're numb because you'll argue about a word you don't read anymore. No, brother, I don't know. We should be celebrating Halloween. First and foremost, if you want to know my opinion, I will very easily tell you. But anyway, we shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be doing that. Should women be able to preach? No, I prohibit not a woman. Like, we could go and argue all day, and we're numb. So we've, we're taking, like, we're sending out more than we're taking in. And guess what? When you're numb, it's a lot easier to come in this room, feel nothing, and judge everybody else who is. Come on. When you're coming in and you're not feeling anything and you're not receiving in the presence of God, it's real easy to look around and say, mm, look at her dress. Come on. Come on. Uh, I saw where he was at on Wednesday. Why is he here this week? Why are these lights so bright? Why that screen so big? Why this? Why that? And we look at a million. Listen, when you're numb to God, you will look at everything else but him. You ain't got nothing better to do because you're so numb. You would watch this. Some of y'all are so happy being unhappy. And you come, oh my gosh, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but some of you are so happy being unhappy that you walk into church with a motive of how many people you can judge. 
Like, you're not even here to receive from Jesus. You're here to point out how much stuff you disagree with so that you can send Pastor Gio an email and not see him face-to-face -face like a coward. Shout out, Pastor Gio. I want to say this. Some of us need to go past just enjoying hearing good preaching. We've got some great preachers at this church. And I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about Pastor Tyler, Pastor Steve, Pastor Gio, Pastor Kenny on Fridays. Come on, somebody. We've got some great, great, great preachers in this house. And you've probably, if you've been serving Jesus for any amount of time, you probably have heard some great preaching. But if the word doesn't get in you, it doesn't matter. It's just entertainment. It's just entertainment. I'll just be honest with you. I, I, I've seen this happen too many times. I want to be honest with you guys because I've been preaching for a long time. Uh, I, I know I have the ability to preach by the grace of God. I understand that. I'm not saying nothing further or less. I understand that, right? And, and so I've been doing this long enough that I've gotten a typical, oh, Pastor Marcus, I really enjoyed your sermon today. <laughs> like I've gotten it a lot. Oh, Pastor Marcus, what a great word. Amen. But uh, I remember I was preaching. This is probably like six years ago now. And I'm preaching on holiness, being set apart, come out from among them, laying down all the things of the world. And I had this man come up to me. Oh, Pastor Marcus, I really enjoyed that message. That was really good. That was fire, man. Blah, blah, blah. I said, amen. Thank you so much. Did it really affect you? Uh, uh, yeah, man. Yeah, it was a great message. Great message. All right, cool. That's awesome, man. God bless you. See you later. Well, I see that man three, three days later with the smell of beer on his mouth and smoking a cigarette simultaneously. This isn't a judgment thing. This isn't me judging him and saying he was less than or greater. I said, bro, what are you doing? You said you enjoyed the message. But a lot of problems, a lot of times when we're in the house of God or watching our favorite YouTube Facebook prophet, we enjoy the message. We just don't intake the message. And you know what the Bible says about that? In Ezekiel 33, it says this. They're talking about the man of God, Ezekiel. They love, you know what's amazing? They loved Ezekiel. They loved his word. He was preaching, you need to turn away, you need to repent. And they said, oh, we love it. Come in, come, come hear what the word of the Lord is from the prophet. That's what Ezekiel 33 says. Come and see the word of the Lord. It's powerful. It's fire. And it literally says that you are like a singing bird to them. But they, don't, they, they hear what you're saying, but they don't do it because of the wickedness in their own heart. They hear your words and they receive them, but they don't actually act them out because of their own selfish desire for gain. And so some of us, if we're not careful, we'll listen to preaching and we'll enjoy it because, oh, I could get this. And you ever been in a room and you hear something and go, oh, I know who that's for. Right? I know who, yeah, I know who that's for right over there. You see her over there? Mm -hmm. And we enjoy it. Oh, what a great message. But I've realized there are a lot of people that are enjoying messages for decades and their lives look the same as it did when they first got saved, if not even worse. It's not about just enjoying the message. It's about taking it in, letting the word cut us, bruise us, wound us again. We need more wounded ones. We need more wounded ones. So, uh, not Psalms. I love the Psalms. Golly. Hebrews 4.12. We know this one. This is a common one, right? Go to it. I want you to actually read it. We're talking about the word this morning. Hebrews 4.12. Come on. God is looking for wounded ones. Say wounded ones. <sighs> for the word of God is living and powerful. Say powerful. powerful. 
sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This word is sharp. Come on. This word, I, I, listen, some of the old ladies in church when I was growing up, when I would very rarely go to church, say, I will cut the devil. Come on, somebody. I'll cut him. Praise God. I'll cut the devil up too, but I need to let this word cut me first. Or else I have nothing to cut the devil with because I don't actually know it, right? This word is living. It's powerful. Other translations say it's active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. Sharp things cut you. When's the last time you've been cut by the word? When's the last time it pierced you? It made you go, oh. Come on. Some of you that are numb, you need a fresh cut. Not a fresh haircut. Come on, Blake. We need a fresh cut. We need to be wounded again. It says this, it divides even to the soul and the spirit. You know what that means? It will distinguish in your life when you are being soulish and you actually think you're spiritual. This is a, bit, this is a great discerner. The word, it will divide the soul and divide the spirit. So you'll be able to discern when I'm being soulish and when I'm being spiritual. Because many of us think that we're being spiritual, but we're being soulish. Can I prove it to you? Many of us, we say, oh, I'm using wisdom. And then we throw out a bunch of Bible verses out there. But the truth is we're living in fear. And you say, oh, it's wisdom. And you're not using the word to, uh, to, de to determine whether it's wisdom or fear. You're making a decision on your own without the word of God. You're using your own mind. You're using your own will. You're using your own emotions. That's the soul. And you're trying to find, Bi uh -huh. we're trying to find Bible verses to justify our fear and calling it wisdom. That's soulish. Come on, somebody. It's, it's. You know, I, we're going to get married soon, Pastor. You know, we're just trying to get our money right. So, you know, God technically sees that we're married in the spirit, right? No, just because you're fornicating every two days does not mean you're married in the spirit. It divides to the soul and spirit. And it would, it would expose your motives. That's what it says. It would expose your motives, right? So when you get in this word and you allow it to talk to you, speak to you, and highlight things, you will, watch this. This isn't a judgment thing. It's just, it's hap it happens to me all the time. I'll be saying something. I'll give you guys an example. I used to say something as simple as, Lord, we need everybody for revival. If your church doesn't get its act right, it's never going to come. And the Lord's like, bro, I took 100 people, and I changed the world. And I, I had to let the word dictate, come on, somebody, my decisions and my opinion. I say, wait, I'm wrong here. Oh, when's the last time you looked at the word and said, wait, I'm wrong? When's the last time you journaled that? Oh, God brought me confirmation that he's going to marry me. And like, we got a bunch of great things in our journal. When's the last time you journaled, the Lord brought correction to me? Y'all are too quiet. Am I hurting y'all feelings this morning? Yes, I am. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> You know what happens when the word begins to hurt you again? It means you're starting to feel again. It means you're starting to feel again. It means it's starting to touch you again. The Lord's looking for that. He's looking for the people that will lay themselves out and say, God, you can touch me. You can cut me. Whatever you need to do. Because here's the thing. Healing hurts sometimes. 
This isn't just about, oh, God wants to stab you, praise the Lord. It's like he's trying to bring healing to you. He's trying to bring healing, but how can he do that if he has to get his word in you? Because if you don't have the word in you, you're going to be tossed to and fro by every wind, wave, doctrine. You're going to be double-minded. You're going to be confused and no healing and nothing, nothing steadfast and intentional is going to be able to come your way. Why do you need to be cut so the word can infect you? That's why open wounds are so powerful in the spirit. Because in the natural, when you get an open wound, you get, get, get infected if you don't close it fast enough. And what happens when something infects you? It spreads through your entire body. The Lord is looking to cut us by his word so that his word will spread into every area of our lives. Every area. I'm not going to let this word talk to me about my calling in future and not about my marriage. Come on, I'm not going to let it talk about how anointed I am and how God's called me to the nations, but not let it talk to me about, oh, well, if you don't treat your wife right, your prayers are hindered. Come on, Come on somebody. Like, I, I've got to let this thing spread to every single area of my life. I'm not going to just read about how God wants to bless me, but not read about sowing into the kingdom. Come on, I'm not going to read about these things and not see the other side where the Lord is saying, I want double-edged sword. I'm looking to cut you both ways. It's not just one thing at one time. It's all things at all times. Can you say amen? amen. The Lord wants to, what time is it? Praise the Lord. The Lord wants to cut us to infect us. You know what happens when you get infected? You get a fever. You know what that means? The temperature rises. I've come to realize that when I read this word and it gets in me, the spiritual temperature rises in my life, right? I start to get uncomfortable. You ever get a fever and you're like, you can't sit still, like you're sweating, then you're cold and you don't know what to do. Like, should I put the covers on? Should I take them off? I got the fan on me. Now I'm too cold. Like, it makes you uncomfortable, right? Because when the, when the temperature rises, it begins to address things. Why does the temperature rise in your body in the natural? To fight Come on, to fight the bad bacteria in your body. It's fighting it off. The Lord will get his word in you to rise the spiritual temperature to get the bad bacteria out of your life, to get the bad theology out of your life, to get the bad practices and mindsets and strongholds out of your life. Let the Lord raise the spiritual temperature when he gets his word in you so he can address it. The word will kill everything in you that does not belong to you. It'll kill everything. It'll remove everything so that you can have what? Health. So that you can have health. This is why you need to be in the word. Because when the word cuts you, it will address those things. Some of you are selfish and you need to read John 17. Come on. You need a little bit of John 17 for your selfishness. Some of you feel uncovered that there's nobody over you or with you. Because guess what? You need to get some Psalm 23 in you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And what? He restores my soul. Some of us need to get that in us to address the wicked thoughts, the evil thoughts that the enemy tried to plant in us and let the word fight it out. Come on. Do you believe that the word in you will fight for you? If you believe it, give Jesus some praise. Come on. <laughs> Let's go Luke 24. I'm almost done. Luke 24. <sighs> Jesus, let your word touch us again. Lord, I don't care if I'm in my most fruitful season. I'm saying, Lord, do a deeper work. Lord, I don't care if I'm reading this thing for hours a day and I'm crying every single day. I need more. You know how you, you, know how you never get numb is you never get satisfied. You don't get numb when you're asking for more. 
Guess what? In the kingdom, in the kingdom, the kingdom of God is the only place where you're not selfish for asking for more. Come on. It's the only place you could ask for more. And listen, even at your favorite buffet, eventually they're going to say, all right, bro. Like, I know, I know we said $20 free for all, but it's been three hours, bro. You've been going to the bathroom and coming back to empty your stomach. Like, eventually you, you get to do too much. But in the kingdom, this is the only place where you can ask for more and it be looked at as a good thing at all times. Do you want to you stay? You want to go without being numb? Ask for more. You want to go without being numb? When he calls you, you answer no matter what. I got to do a private Zoom call with Benny Hinn a couple of years ago. It was like 20 people in here. I don't care what you think about Benny Hinn. Praise the Lord. Because this man gave me some wisdom that changed my entire life. This man said, the, way I've, the reason I've been able to follow the Lord this long is not because of the ministry, blah, blah, blah. It's because every time he calls, I will answer no matter what. He said, I'm not rude about it, but there's been times where I've had to cancel meetings. There's been times where I had to be a little bit late. There's been times where I couldn't go to the birthday party. There's been times I haven't been able to go to the fellowship. I haven't been able to do this or that. And it wasn't, oh, oh I don't get to do this because God's calling me. It's he's calling me and nothing else matters. One of the greatest ways to stay with, to go without being numb is to answer at every beckon, every utterance, and every feeling that he's drawing you. And can I tell you, that by itself, if you work on that by itself, it will change your life forever. It really will. It'll change your life forever. You'll get in the car, and the Lord will say, give me five minutes before we take off. Notice he said, we'll take off, because he's going to go with you, but he wants to talk to you for a minute. Luke 24, you there? Praise the Lord. Oh, where do I want to start? The road to Emmaus, verse 13. So now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. So we know what happened, right? Jesus got, Jesus was crucified. So it was, while they conversed in reason that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained, say restrained, so that they did not know him. I believe that their eyes were restrained for several reasons. So he says, Jesus says, what kind of conversation is this that you're having? And he says, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and have not known the things which happened? And Jesus said, what things? So they begin to say, oh, well, you know, there was this man. He was a great prophet. He did many signs, wonders, and miracles. And we were hoping that he was the one. I want to read this to you because it's very important. Oh, where is it? Where is it? Verse 21. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all these things, today is the third day since these things happened. And certain women went and they saw the tomb empty. Here's the thing. I believe that for two reasons that they, their eyes were restrained. Number one, I believe that Jesus wanted their eyes to be restrained. But I also believe that there was a seed in them that allowed Jesus to enter in and restrict their eyes. He could do it at full will. Like he, could, he could do whatever he wants, right? He could, he could masquerade himself and make himself into whatever. But listen, I believe this. It says, but we were hoping. Notice they didn't say, oh, but we're convinced. It's any moment now, Jesus is going to appear to us. Oh, it's been three days. Any moment now, Jesus is going to reveal himself. Any moment now, he's going to prove the naysayers wrong. Any moment now, he's going to come back and prove that he defeated death, hell, and the grave. But they said, they didn't say we're convinced. They said we're hoping. We were hoping. You know what that means? We were hoping. We're not hoping anymore. I believe that one of the reasons why their eyes were restrained is because of hopelessness in their spirit. In their soul. And what happens in the word is when things don't, watch this, when things don't go our way, we become hopeless and we can't see the word for the way the word's supposed to be seen. 
And so you read verses about his goodness, you read verses about his healing, you read verses about his power, but because it hasn't looked that way in your life, your heart becomes dull to those words and you don't want anything to do with them and you can't see them for the truth that they really are. <sighs> Come on, maybe some of us are in this room and we can't receive the words of the Father, like he's a good father. We can't receive the words of Jesus as a good shepherd because our life hasn't looked that way. My dad left. Nobody would come to be around me. I've been kind of figuring out things on my own my whole life. So therefore, I don't see how he could be a good shepherd. Like I don't, there's a million different scenarios, and we could go through all of them. But the point I'm trying to say to you is this, that when you have hopelessness in you, it is a seed for the word to no longer touch you. Come on. They were in the, watch this. They were in the midst of revival. They were in the midst of the revived, resurrected king, and they couldn't even see him for what he was. Walking with them for seven miles. That's a long time. Come on. I'll, I'll barely walk a mile and I get tired. And for seven miles, they could not see Jesus for who he really was because of the disappointment in their hearts. And so maybe we're in this room this morning and Jesus wants to address the disappointment in our hearts that are holding us back from receiving him at his word. <sighs> Verse 28, then they drew near to the village. I'm almost done. Actually, team can come up. Uh, then they drew near to the village uh, where they were going and he indicated that he would have gone farther. Watch this. But they constrained him. Say constrained him. Amen saying, abide with us, for it is towards the evening and a day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. And then Jesus came in, he blessed the bread, he took it, and it says that their eyes were opened. And then he vanished from their sight. Verse 32, this is a common one, especially in the prayer room, praise God. Verse 32, and they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us? When? It doesn't say when, when, did our hearts not burn in us when we told him about the things that were happening? My heart didn't burn when we told him we were hoping he was the coming one, but it doesn't quite look like it right now. Anyway, my heart wasn't burning when he asked if he could join us on our walk. It didn't happen when he asked what was going on in town, what's the latest gossip. It happened when, let me find it, when he opened the scriptures to us. Come on. My heart burned within me when he opened his scriptures to us. Listen, I'm all about Pentecostal power. I'm all about the shakes, the quakes, and the belly aches. I'm all about rolling on the floor. I'm all about the holy laughter. But this word is what's going to burn you at heart. This word will touch you and pierce you in the greatest and the deepest way. Because guess what? You can, get, you can roll on the floor all day. And if you know me, I, I enjoy that. That's fun. And you can do that all day and get up and leave and still go back to the same situation and never grow. Why? Because you were never in the word that helps you grow. Yeah. Yeah. Did our hearts not burn in us? That's what I'm praying for this morning is that our, oh, our hearts would burn again. Our hearts would burn again. Like, like, Lord, would you touch my dull heart? Would you touch my dull? That's my prayer in this season. Lord, touch my dull heart. Marcus, but you're so loud and packed. Lord, touch my dull heart. We got this little thing that we use amongst our staff where we say what we're doing all week. I said, I'm asking the Lord to touch my dull heart, and I wasn't joking. Lord, would you touch us again? Would you stand to your feet? Come on. Come on, let's just take a few moments and pray. Jesus, Jesus, 
Lord, we don't we want this to be more than words. Lord, we want to see the man behind the pages. We don't want to just read the word of God. We want to we want to know the God of the word. We want this to be more than just 5 minutes of devotion every day to say that we did our checklist. Lord, we want to desire your word. We want your word to cleanse us. John 6:63, 6, the words that I speak to you Jesus says are spirit and they are life. We're asking you for life in your word again. That your word would breathe fresh life in us. That your word would produce fresh life again to every dead and dry area. Before we pray for the power of God, before we pray for the glory of God, we're asking for the word of God to touch our hearts deeply. I want to take some time and I want to suggest lay our hearts before the Lord this morning. And so I just want to ask you, if you're, if you're in this room and you've become numb to the word of God and the words of Jesus, if this word has become boring to you, if it's become old news to you, if it's become just another book, then, we're, then we want to pray. If you've lost faith, if you've lost faith, in the word that his word is real and that is active now and you believe it's the word of god you believe it's divinely inspired but you don't believe it has actual power now we want to pray um yeah so it's not usually like me but i just felt pressed upon by the lord to say that um like i was hopeless in that situation that i shared about earlier and it's then when the hope of the lord can come in and so I just want to share that it's not embarrassing to be in a hopeless situation right now like it then that's when the Lord can move if I have all the hope in the world then there's no more hope I can get right but no I'm hopeless and so Lord will you give me hope and so I just want to encourage you yes so I just want to encourage you that that in your hopelessness you can find hope and in the Bible, when it says like healing and things like that, it's, it didn't just say Desiree will be healed. Like that is for you. That is for everyone here. It's not just me. So don't just feel like, oh, well, that's just her story. I'm just going to lament. I'm just going to stay in my hopeless situation because that was for her. But it can't be for me. No, I, I break that right now because it is for you. It's for all of us. All of us. God can pluck you out of that hopeless situation and take you to a life full of hope, of joy. And in my hopeless situation, I would read constantly, constantly the same Bible verses over myself, even when I felt most hopeless and almost when I didn't even believe it. The Lord kept saying, read it, read it, read it. I'm in pain, read it. I'm crying, read it. I'm throwing up, read it. Like whatever, he just said, read it, read it, read it. And that brought hope to me. It brought life to me. Those that came around me, that surrounded me and said, I don't know what you're going through. I haven't been there, but I'm gonna pray hope into you. I'm gonna pray healing into you, whatever it might be. So yeah, I just wanted to share that, that if you're in a hopeless situation, I encourage you to come up like we will pray, we have hope for you. And we will pray that into you and be there for you, whatever it needs. It may not be like a physical healing. It could be spiritual, just a wounded heart, whatever it is, um, a financial situation, whatever, lost dreams. Oh, come on, hope again for dreams. 
so um yeah yeah so we want to we just want to pray so if you if you're in this room and amongst all the other things that i said if you if you feel hopeless we just want to pray over you and believe that god's going to just that he's going to reveal himself as our blessed hope so would you come forward if you are in this room and you say, I'm numb to the word, I'm bored in the word, I need the spirit of wisdom and revelation, I need hope, I'm just having a hard time and I just, I'm having a hard time believing this word as truth. Well, I just want to ask you to come forward now. Come forward now, let's just begin to pray. Just as Pastor Marcus was sharing that, you know, one of the things that I was feeling is that when I was listening to him share, I wouldn't necessarily say that I was numb to the word, but there was a quickening in my spirit that God's asking me to respond to. And I feel like there are other people here where it's not necessarily that, you know, you, you almost don't want to admit that I'm numb because you feel like, well, I'm God, I am having time and those, those excuses start running. But he's saying, but there's a reset. There's something I want to do in you. Do you want that reset? Do you want him to ignite and, and I feel like almost like when you when you try when you're traveling on the interstate and it's you going and you're just cruising and he's like well do you want to put your foot down on the accelerator do you want to go to the next level in the wood and I feel it's an invitation where it's not necessarily necessarily saying that you totally numb there might be some people here who you are at that place where God wants you to just birth it from start but there are other people where he's saying do you want to put your foot on the accelerator do you want to have new eyes that when you open up the word, I speak to you again? That you're getting out of that place of just going through the motions. And if that's you, I want to invite you to come down. Because he's inviting you to that place. And it, it's actually an invitation to say, there's so much more. There's so much more in the word. And so come down, come down. Yeah, so if you, if you just say, I want more. And I'm not saying every person in the room has to come, but I just feel like we've got to, we have to always have the heart posture of, Lord, there's more. There's more for me. Lord, take me deeper. I know I've been reading and studying for years. Take me deeper. Touch me deeper, Lord. So let's just begin to pray. We're going to lay hands of our team would come around. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love your words, Jesus. Jesus, you are the word of God. In the beginning was the Word of God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with, uh, with God. Jesus, I thank you that you and your words were in the beginning. And I thank you that you were put on flesh and you dwelt among us. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you say that your Word will sanctify us. Sanctify us by your truth. Your Word is truth. Father, I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God and that these words will be more than just ink on a page, but that they will speak tenderly and boldly to us. Lord, we just give your word free access into our hearts. Let's just come into agreement with that all over the room. We just give your word free access to our hearts. Let your word change us, transform us. Let your word bring us to a new level. Let your words speak life into us. John 6, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Lord, open our ears that we may hear the word of the Lord. Remove the spiritual earwax in Jesus' name. Everything hindering us from hearing and receiving your word. 
everything blockading our hearts from the fullness of your word. Lord, that we will rightly and fully receive every word in Jesus' name. Lord, let your word bring fruit in our lives. Lord, we don't want to just read the pages and look the same. Let your word bring fruit, tangible, evident, eternal fruit in the name of Jesus. Lord, give us a hunger and a passion for your word, that we would cling on to every word, that we would not live by bread alone, we wouldn't live by emotion alone, we wouldn't live by church service alone, but we will live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Give us a hunger, Lord. You are the bread of life. Give us a hunger again, Lord. Help us to weep over your word. Fresh tears, Lord. Fresh travail. Wound our hearts and bring healing. Proper healing. Yeah. I even just see it like some of us are in the room. And there's some areas in our lives where we've got like the sling on the arm because we've tried to heal it. We've tried to heal areas of our lives by ourselves. I just hear the Lord saying, let my word cut you so that it can heal you again and bring true and proper healing. Father, we speak hope to the hopeless in Jesus' name. Those that have no strength, Lord, would you increase their might by your word? Those that have no hope, Lord, would you breathe fresh hope that you will reveal yourself as our blessed hope. Jesus Christ, our blessed hope. Let your word wash over us, Lord. Wash us by your word in Jesus' name. That we will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. something the entire time Marcus was preaching about one of the things that when we read in the Bible that we just kind of glance over and whatever and this one is kind of sobering for me and maybe it is for you and I just feel like there's freedom this morning that when I read this that someone is destined to be free from this it's in Matthew 6 it says for if you forgive men their trespasses your heavenly Father will also forgive the, you. Jesus says this, he says, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father forgive you. And I just feel like one of the things he's talking about that we hold on to is unforgiveness. And we paint it under a brush of, well, you don't really understand what they did to me and all this sort of stuff. If Jesus himself can be on a cross and look down at people who are actually murdering him and say, Father, forgive them. Whatever your sister said to you 15 years ago that now you're offended, it's okay, you can forgive her. And I just feel like some of the, tor I feel like this specifically in my spirit, some of you have been under torment in your, in your life 
because you've been holding on to unforgiveness and the Lord wants you to release them. And maybe you've even said, I forgive you, but between me and you, you know you actually didn't. And so if that's you, if you wanna come down and just release that person in faith and say, Father, I forgive them. Because I don't know truly what that scripture means, but he says, neither will my Father forgive you. So if that's you, there's freedom today to be released from that person, bitterness, drinking that poison of unforgiveness.